So, thanks everyone. It's lovely to see everyone so well acquainted. It is. So, I've been speaking over the last few weeks about my vision for Life Church and what it will look like. You know, as we as we proceed into the future. And I've been speaking a lot on Isaiah 61 and and what that means for us. You know, with Christ in us, we are called to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for those held captive, whilst giving beauty in place of ashes and joy for mourning, but also receiving that as well. So this is it's as we talked I talked a few weeks ago about that that heavenly transaction that takes place. And all this is happening as we continue to rebuild, restore, and renew ourselves, our relationships, and our cities. And over the last two weeks, John and I, we talked about how we go about that. And I prefaced that two weeks ago with this thought of Christianity 101, the bare basics of what Christianity is about. And this is something I found online. Someone actually just tweeted it. I don't know this person, Derek Freeland, but said, Christian theology 101 is God is love. Christian worship is love God. Christian spirituality, love your neighbor as yourself. Christian community is love one another. And Christian ethics is love your enemies. I, I believe if we get those things right, we're good, all right? And, and I, I think it's the very beginning, the very foundation of, of seeing these things come to pass, those, those things in Isaiah 61. And so for the last two weeks, both myself and John Arnold last week, we, we preached on God is love as the, as the starting point. For the rest to work, underneath that, we've got to start with God is love. It begins with knowing that God is love. Today, we're talking about the next step, which is loving God. So, what's that all about? So, let's begin with a passage that appears, or it's not, I don't, it doesn't appear identically, but a, a, like a scene that appears in three of the Gospels. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew. So, on your screen, we have a section from Matthew 22. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in this point. He's obviously just silenced the Sadducees, which is great. The Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And as I mentioned, this is also in two other Gospels. So if you want to compare them and how that that scene played out, who knows, it might have played out more than once. Who's to say that only once that a Pharisee asked Jesus that question on It's quite plausible that it happened more than once. But here's something else to consider. I've underlined it there. 
loving God and loving others, Jesus says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. How much of the law? All of it. And some other translations actually say all the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. I find that fascinating. Have you, have you thought about what that means? Have you thought about that? Does anyone have like a Bible with them? Has anyone brought a Bible to church? I mean, that would be... Can I hold that up, please? Yeah? I'm just going to flick through it. Just going to use your keyboard here for a sec, James. Woo! Just going to do that. So, I didn't expect that. Here we have, on this side, the Old Testament, and on this side, the New Testament. All right? The Old Testament is made up of the law, that's the first five books, and the prophets, which is like the last whole bunch. (laughs) In between, we've got some poetical books, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, But Jesus is saying, basically, all of that, love the Lord your God and love others, all of that depends on those two phrases. It's a pretty fair chunk of the Bible. He says it depends All of the law, all of the prophets depend on those two commandments. Wish I could do that. All right. Thank you for that. All right. In a few words, in two very quick phrases... Jesus summarizes the entire Old Testament. Later, he gives a new commandment, which we'll, we'll get to that. All right, there's a new com- commandment later. But he summarizes it with love God and love your neighbor. That's his summary. When he said this, he was giving us an insight into the way he reads Scripture. He would have known them. He would have known those scriptures. He's like, that's the summary. That summarizes the whole lot. It said, any interpretation of scripture must conclude in loving God and loving others. We actually see examples of this playing out in the Gospels. We see it all the time. So, when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees about tithing, he says, you know, they'll probably, you know, if we... If you think about it, they were probably tithing the precise amount of their mint, dill and cumin, but neglecting more important matters. Those more important matters all relate to love. In particular, he said justice, mercy and faithfulness. That's love. It's love of God and love of others. And they were probably managing to be very precise with how much they were tithing. But he said, but you're neglecting those other things. They missed the point. Also in the way the Pharisees, they were very upset with Jesus and his disciples for 
not treating the Sabbath seriously. Like Jesus and his disciples, they bent over to pick up some grain and they're like, oh, that guy's working. It's the Sabbath. You're not allowed to bend over and pick up grain and eat it. Jesus tells a story of David entering the holy place and eating bread because he was hungry. David wasn't allowed to do that. So like, oh. He also makes another point in another, another passage. You know, suppose one of you has an ox that falls into a ditch. Are you just going to leave it there if it's the Sabbath? Or are you going to get it out? Of course they're going to get it out. And so it all relates to, you know, you could blindly follow the law, but miss it all. Just completely miss it all. So obviously the Pharisees probably tithe perfectly, observe the Sabbath, but they miss the point. As John said last week when he was talking about this, the loving God and loving others, we failed miserably at keeping the law properly. I mean, there was obviously other aspects of it that we failed miserably. But we can keep the Ten Commandments out of dutiful legalism. We, we can, but still miss the point. We can just tick boxes. And if it's not in relationship with Jesus, then it is just a tick-the-box religion. Destined for failure. If we're just, oh, I've got to do this today, better pray, tick. Better read my Bible, tick. Better go to church, tick. Done, I'm a good Christian. You know, we can, all those things are great. Those things are wonderful. But if it's not done in relationship, it's empty. Christianity 101. So let's talk about loving God. How do you love God? I've got six steps that I'd like to go through about how we can love God. And the first step is found in this key scripture. We love because he first loved us. And again, that's what I was just speaking about with relationship. That's how we know. And we talked, we talked a lot about it and at the risk of repeating ourselves from the last couple of weeks. But if we recognize that we're loved by God, then our love for God becomes a response, not just ticking a box. We've been seeing about it today, the love of God. I spoke about it when I first hopped up here. There's nothing that we have done that could change the Father's love. I don't know if there's anyone here that needs to hear that today. They just let it sink in. There's nothing that you could do to change the Father's love for you. I'll say it again. Just let it sink in. There's nothing that you could do that could change the Father's love for you. There's nothing you can do that could make him love you more. There's nothing you can do that will make him love you less. Nothing. Just let that sink in. And if that's your starting point, then the idea of loving God is already not just about ticking a box and doing the right thing. 
to ensure that our love for God is authentic and not an empty attempt at trying to please Him, we need to start here so that it is a genuine, heartfelt response. So that is point one. Know God's love for you. Point two is look to Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. If you want to love God, look to Jesus. Read the first couple of verses in the book of Hebrews. In the past, God has spoken through his prophets, but now he's spoken through his son. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So start with him. If you want to know how to love God, get to know Jesus. And how can you get to know Jesus? You can read about him, for starters. The whole Bible points to Jesus. But the section of the Bible that's pointing to is the Gospels. So start your discovery of God, your journey of loving God by reading the Gospels and getting to know him. I've said it before, if you've, if you've got a thought of what God might be like, but you can't see that in Jesus, then I think it needs further examination. You're like, oh, but I heard this story about God in the Old Testament. If you can't see that in Jesus, it, it requires you to look at it a bit further. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So start there. You want to love God, start with Jesus. The next step is simply to start. If you don't know how, start anyway. If you don't feel like it, start anyway. Just do it. Start loving God. Start to worship Start to pray and be intentional. And don't do it to expect something necessarily. We don't worship God to get something out of it. But yes, God does turn up. That does happen. But find things that point you to Jesus. For some, that could be devotion time, reading the Bible. My friend, Father Rob, on the beginning of his journey, his mum had been praying for him for years and he was completely lost. And he, he realised he needed to start this journey somehow. He pulled up an empty chair in his bedroom and said, Jesus, sit down, I want to talk to you. He just started. Your prayer life might not look exactly like that, but it was a way for him to begin that journey, that process. And it's just that. It's a conversation. You could be putting worship music on in the car with lyrics that have been prayed about to draw you closer to the presence of God. Something happens when you just start. 
I've got this slide here by another friend of ours, Ben Hughes. He said, if you don't feel like praying, well, pray until you do. If you don't feel like praying, pray until you do. Now, I know that might sound contradictory to what I was talking about, empty duty, empty religious acts. If your heart is like, I, I don't feel like it, but I want to, well, that, that's the process. You're journeying towards that. It reminds me of something Bill Johnson said when he was talking about those who perhaps may struggle with reading the Bible. He said, in the kingdom of God, do I have a slide for that? I can't remember. Yes, in the kingdom of God, we get hungry by eating. Meaning the more that you pray, the more you will enjoy praying. The more you worship, the more you will enjoy worship. In the kingdom of God, we get hungry by eating. We don't get hungry by not eating. If you stop those things, you're going to start to desire those things less. In the natural, we get hungry by not eating, but the kingdom is a different kingdom. So just start. And as you start, you'll, you'll hunger for it even more. And the same goes for corporate worship when we come to church. Same goes for coming to church. Start. Yeah. Song starts. I don't know this song. I'm going to sing it anyway. It's always a fun exercise. Start even if you don't feel like it, and something will shift. Sometimes the action needs to come before you're engaged. It leads to it. The next step, practice. Did you know you can practice the presence of God? Might sound a bit unusual. And God is everywhere. But sometimes we need to get into practice. Sometimes we need to be intentionally aware that God is always with us. I'd like to call my wife up to the stage. I'll give you a little example of what I'm talking about. God is always with us. Now, frequently, Michelle and I, come a bit closer. I won't bite. <laughs> right now, I'm not talking to Shell, but I know she's here. I know she's probably making a face right now, too. But I, I'm talking to you, but I'm aware of her. I'm aware that she's here. Right now, I'm aware of her love for me. Ooh. <laughs> Again, I'm not talking to her. I'm talking to you. But I'm aware of her presence, and I'm aware of her love, and it doesn't need to necessarily interrupt my day. It could. 
And right now, she is aware of my love for her. I know I, I don't need to say anything. Now, that's not that I expect to see Christians walking around like this. <laughs> right. But I'm using Michelle here as an example of being aware of the presence of God that is with you all the time. It doesn't go. never leaves. never leaves. And you know what? The truth is that if I was in one place and Shell was in another place, I'd still be aware. I've just called her up here because I wanted to. And to use this as a, a living, breathing example. Thanks, Shell. Catch you later. Yes. <laughs> and you can do that. You can fill in the gaps of your day with prayers to God. Years ago, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And he mentioned this concept of breath prayers. It could just be a, just a constant thing. It could just be like... You might be walking to, a, to the car for no apparent reason. Just, thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. That's it. Just, just like that. It could just be a, I love you, Lord. Just throughout the day. The Bible says to pray continuously. I wonder if it, I mean, I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean be on your knees 24-7. I'm certain of that. What if it's just that constant awareness of your communion with God? It's like my example with Shell before, that I'm aware she's here. I can communicate with her without necessarily saying something. A little breath prayer. That's something I encourage you to practice. Thank you that you're with me, God. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. Just as that begins, going back to my previous point, your hunger for this will increase because it's becoming a practice in your life. My fifth point is remember. Now that not doesn't mean remember to do it, although it could mean that. But sometimes people don't know what to pray for. I don't, you know, I'm not feeling anything. I don't, I don't know how to start this connection with God. What do I talk about? You know, what did Father Rob talk about with his empty chair in front of him? You know, it, where, where do you start? I think it's good to start with remembering. Think about your life. Think about how far you've come. Do you know all of us sitting here in front of us have gotten through some terrible things in our lives, but you've made it through because you're all here. You've gotten through 100% of it, by the way. 100% of it, you're still you're with us. Remember that God has been with you all along. 
He's never left you. Remember his faithfulness. Michelle and I were talking about this. Songs that sing about the faithfulness of God through the years always seem to have that extra, I don't know, response from people. And I think, certainly for me, I don't know if I'm speaking on behalf of anyone else, when I'm singing a song like that, I start to replay little times in my life where God has pulled me through. And by the nods in the room, I'm guessing that I'm not the only one. Start thinking about the times God has pulled you through. Remember his promises. Has anyone ever given you a prophetic word? Maybe start with that. Or if you've got a few key scriptures that are your favorite ones that stand out to you, start there. The promises of God. Remember what he's done for you. You could remember your life before knowing Jesus and the transformation that took place once you did know Jesus. You could remember how you felt in that moment. Sometimes it can be easy in probably any relationship to let those feelings get a bit stale. People talk about the honeymoon period and you know what I'm talking about. When everything's fun and it's all awesome and then, you know, real life happens and, and, you know, it's not so awesome. Sometimes you've got to go back to that place in your thoughts. Go back to that place and remember how you felt in that first encounter. That will stir up some hunger. It reminds me of the warning Jesus gives to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. This church was doing many things right. But what had they done wrong? They'd forgotten their first love. It's possible to practice empty religious duty without love. And this church was doing that. They were doing many things right. But Jesus said, but I hold this against you. You'd forgotten your love. My sixth point is to sit. Sometimes it's just sitting. Now, I know it might be a challenge for some people who always need to be doing something. But sometimes there's a benefit in just sitting. Just being aware. Very famous passage. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Sounds like the church in Ephesus. She came up to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. 
you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There's probably oodles of health benefits aside from any, you know, Christian practice in just stopping every now and then. Not just rush, rush, rush. Work, work, work. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Not not everyone has that approach. But how many people do you speak to? I'm very guilty of this myself. How have you been? Oh, I've been so busy. I've said it to three people this morning. I know I have. But how often do we just stop and sit? Because yes, you can pray all the breath prayers in the world while you're about your business, and that's fine. But when you just stop and sit, be still. know that he is God. Listen. I know God can speak to you, you know, with machinery going and noise and all that sort of stuff. I know he doesn't. But just stop, pause and listen. Sit at his feet. Be intentional. Make time for that. So my six points, know God's love for you, look to Jesus, just start, practice it. Best thing about practicing it, going back to my example with Shell, if you get it wrong on Monday, then you've also got Tuesday to have another go at it. If you get it wrong, then you've also got Wednesday. Just keep practicing until your hunger builds up. Remember what the Lord has done for you. Remember His promises, His faithfulness, and just sit. Now, I will not say that this is a complete list of how you can love God more. It's not. It's just a start. It's just some things I came up with to help but there should be no striving in it there should be no I've got to love you more God it's not going to work it's got to start with it as a response to his love for you and this is just a beginning and if this is the start of your journey enjoy it enjoy it Enjoy that relationship with your Heavenly Father. I'm going to close the service in a moment. I just want to invite you, if you, if you want prayer for this, if, you, if, if loving God is something that you felt that, or feel that you've struggled with, come up and do business with God right now is point six 
would be a good one. Just sit. Just sit and start. If you're prayer for healing, then I invite you up the front too. And if, if all of this is brand new to you and you don't know Jesus, if you're like, oh, I want what you're talking about, I also invite you up the front. We're going to close the service. There will be tea and coffee in the foyer. Annette, it's so great to see you here today. If you, if you want to speak to Annette, yeah, please. Yeah. Maybe get to know some people. If you don't know Annette, go and say hi to her. But yeah, use this opportunity now to to connect with some people, maybe someone you haven't spoken to before. Enjoy fellowship together in the foyer and have, have a great Sunday. Thanks, folks. Be blessed.